What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, it's Friday. You know what that means? It's the sports reporters. We've assembled. Bob Sayada, Bob Silverman, whatever he wants to go by, oh, is up there in the Northeast, in New York, of the Daily Beast. Bob, good afternoon. How are you? Good. If you all are good today, I'll tell the story of why I have that weird Twitter handle. I've never understood what that is. I, I, I've never I'll understood. It. I'll tell an abridged version at the end if everyone does a good job on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you've taken the father figure role on this podcast. Yeah, um, it's age appropriate. <laughs> up there in the northwest of the Tacoma News Tribune, we have Andrew Hammond. Andrew, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. If Bob is the father figure, does that make me like Uncle Jesse? Oh God! So yeah. you're uh, yes. Okay, so you're the uncle. He's the father, and I am I y'all's two sons. Is this or I'm, I'm y'all's son? Is that what we're getting at? Our large adult son. Yeah. <laughs> Our large adult son. Well, this is this is great. Um, what is y'all's? Before we get into the sports news, I, I'm curious. What is what? Give me a, if you had to guess what your best Halloween costume to date was, what was it? Andrew, you go first. Your your proudest Halloween costume you've ever done. Oh, God. Um, uh, Boba Fett in third grade, uh, mm. because we had, no, fourth grade, because uh, we had three kids in class who all were Boba Fett for some strange reason and then we didn't know what a bounty hunter was and so my fourth grade teacher said my fourth grade teacher had to tell us what a bounty hunter was and we were like cool um so that and as an adult uh head coach uh me and my then girlfriend at the time she played a referee a very sexy referee and i was a coach and yeah that was fun um so, yeah, uh, those are probably the two. Oh, I was Waldo one year, uh, my senior year of high school. So I'm just running around school, just blending in. Interesting. Bob, what about you? Uh, I would say when I was, I think, like eight or nine, my favorite, uh, God, I'm such a dork. My favorite animal was the, che- was the cheetah because it's the fastest land animal. Mm-hmm. Um and so my mom made a full on cheetah costume. It was it was very it was very cool and good and I I think yeah, I, it, it, that was the best one I ever wore. Although 2 years ago for Halloween, I dressed up as Captain Haddock from Tintin. Um I like that. Which, yeah, it required very little work. I put on a blue turtleneck and a blazer and I already had one of those Greek fisherman's caps. Uh-huh. And so I, I made myself a little, like, Siemens travel bag like that he used to carry, and I just growled a lot. It was good. <laughs> and I scowled, and I went, yar. <laughs> I think mine, um, I was really, really into Power Oh, Rangers, actually, but... I have, I, a friend of mine, though, in high school did dress up as the Falkland Islands. He made himself a full <laughs> map. 
of the Falcon Islands. That was an outstanding costume. That's pretty cool. Um, my best for sure, because I've always been very lazy with Halloween costumes. But when I was when I was younger, very young, I guess first kindergarten, something like that. I, I was just very obsessed with Power Rangers. Like Power Rangers still hold a special place in my heart. And uh, the White Ranger. It's just when you put on the suit, when you when you dress up as a Power Ranger for Halloween, especially as a kid, you you feel the powers. You feel it's morphin time. You feel different. You feel like you're an actual Power Ranger, and you those drop kicks that you deliver feel like they they hit a little bit harder. That uh, you're actually Tommy from Power Rangers. I I miss that feeling of putting on the mask and being like, yeah, this is happening. I'm a Power Ranger. This I hope everyone's ready for this because I'm about to scream out White Tiger. 37 times this evening. <laughs> I was a Power Ranger, uh, God, um, my 21st, um, uh, full, yeah, when I was 21, I was a Power Ranger Hell yeah. for Halloween. And, and, and that's when, like, that was starting to come back in. And so, yeah, uh, that was a fun night. Um, probably not family friendly, um, but, you know, we can talk about that after. I'm literally looking at my Green Ranger, um, what is the uh, Funko Pop? Uh, I have a Green Ranger Funko Pop that uh, oh nice still nice. rock. Don't care, love it. I'm not ashamed. All time Power Rangers still gets me hyped. I listen to the Power Ranger soundtrack when I'm at the gym a lot. Um, it's pretty good. It's it's pretty great. I, I still love it. Um, speaking of things that are pretty great, we're not going to be without NBA basketball for very long. It seems like there is a big vote. I think coming down today um, as a recording as to when. The season is going to uh, start back, uh, the 2020-2021 NBA season. Um, there has been a lot of players we've seen, like over half the league apparently wants to start on MLK Day. And then there's the other half of the league the that just kind of, and I guess this is more owner and Adam Silver driven, of starting December 22nd to uh, make up a lot more revenue. And uh, just the disparity between that month difference is apparently pretty strong in the money department. Um, what do you guys make of when the NBA comes back and what do you think ultimately happens here? Bob, you go first. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, I have to admit, I'm a little confused about the mechanics of why the NBA is so dead set on starting on quasi Christmas. I, I don't, I mean, I've heard all the, the loud noises about, well, financially we have to do that. But I, I and I, I understand like you can't keep squeezing seasons into shorter and shorter chunks of time without it having a deleterious health uh, impact on the player's health. But it seems it's a month, guys. Like, wait, wait, wait long. I mean, no one knows what the world is going to look like on December 22nd and, and the degree to which uh, a certain viral pandemic is still going to be uh, proliferating. I, I just think it, it seems very, very odd. I mean, I get the symbolism of starting on MLK Day, and that's cool, but uh, it, given everything we've seen with, with sports and handling this disease, like Justin Turner running out on the field for the celebration after the Dodgers won, because no one could stop him. He just wanted it too bad, and you can't discount the heart of a champion. And you know, it's, I am very, I, I, if you have more info on this, Andrew, I'm going to defer to you because I don't know what the big rush is. I, so from what I'm gathering, and there's really no like big, 
um, the issue that they're battling mainly is how many games in a season and if you're going to ha- – like the Olympics are in the way. Th- that's their biggest issue right now. Oh, is, okay. Yeah, well, fuck the Olympics. So, well, yeah. I mean, I, quite frankly, if, if I were in control, I, honestly, I would take an Olympic break. Like I would stretch it out like, because you aren't going to get a normal season this year. So if you wanted to, I would start Martin Luther King Day and I would end, and this is just me, I would end in early October. Um, I, I know, I know that's an Olympic, not... With an Olympic pause, so to with speak? A, with an Olympic pause. Um, I mean, because you, you, you are not going to have a normal season this year. So I would shorten the playoffs. Or if anything, I would go 1 through 16, best of 3, best of 5, best of 5, then best of 7. Um, and that that's just me. I, I'm trying to get as much basketball in as I can. Here's the problem, though, not to poo-poo your idea, which is good. If there's a break in the season for the Olympics, I don't know how many – I think stars are going to beg out because – Oh, for not- sure. Like none of them, none of the big names are going to want to play. Maybe they don't want to anyway, and that's not a huge problem. But I feel like any team in contention, even a little bit, is not going to risk injury by participating. Oh yeah, no, I I agree. Um, and and that's that's just that's just an idea. Quite frankly, if I were in charge, I wouldn't have. I, I would have college guys go. I would have the college guys play, and I know that you that's know, probably what we should do anyway. Okay, Chase. First off, no. <laughs> um, oh, the only reason I'm saying that is mm-hmm. all of the other countries kind of use the loophole for that, mm-hmm. and that's how you get uh, Russia '72 and 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 Yugoslavia '88 and all that crap. Can I unleash my uh, galactic Olympic take? Go ahead. Go ahead. Galaxy brain the hell out of this. Uh, The Olympics has not needed to exist for over 100 years now. We're good. We've we figured out the best sports. We there is a reason that none of these sports are viewed year round, that we don't have leagues for these sports. There's a reason that we don't watch curling year round. There's a reason that we don't do any of this anymore, because we found the best sports. We, we, we're good. I don't need the Olympics ever again. I don't need to watch them. I don't watch them. I don't enjoy them. I don't wa- enjoy watching any of it. The, the Olympics has outserved its purpose. It was before we figured out basketball. It was before we figured out football. This was a thing that people did because they had not invented better sports yet. The Olympics actually sucks. We should move on cancel it going forward and pretend it doesn't exist we let's just do world tournaments like the world cup is great i love stuff like that if you want to do the world light like sporting events just do that do fiba do all that that's great with the sports that are actually good and fucking cancel the olympics the olympics sucks let's move on i'm done wow okay first off i i would love for you to say that in Mm -hmm. front of the uh usoc Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. 
McDonald's, literally every major sponsorship, mm-hmm. and just like you would be wiped off the face of the earth. No I don't offense. Think so. I think they'd be uh, yeah, like, you, you know what, you're right. These sports do suck. That's why we don't do this any other time. There is a reason the Olympics only happens in the summer when there's literally nothing else going on because nobody would watch it or care if it was happening during the other sports league season. You know what's you know, you know what's going to end up happening, Chase? Mm. I want you I want you to go to the USOC. <laughs> I want you to say that and then Ronald McDonald is going to come out with a uh, with a stack of millions and just slap you with it. That's not an argument, like, oh, though. I, I mean, I understand that it makes money, but my thing is, I'm like, I would, I, I would encourage all our listeners out there to <laughs> check out the, the Twitter account and and organization No Olympics LA, which is uh, organizing to try to put a stop to the LA 2028 Olympics. I've and seen that. There are some good people in that organization. Um, I've written about them in the past in various blogs and articles. Um, they not to summarize their position, but like, I mean, basically the Olympics serve as an anti-democratic wherever they land in the world. They institute, they, they lead to the greater militarization of the police force. They install a surveillance state wherever the Olympics are happening. They force uh, the local population into be, to be moved often physically from their homes um, if you look at what happened in Rio Brazil. de Janeiro, yeah. um, literally the forced uh, removal and relocation of the indigenous population goes hand in hand with every single time the Olympics happen. And that includes America. Um, America is not exempt from this. Um, the, there is a pretty direct through line to be drawn between the 1984 LA Games Hello. and the beating of Rodney King. Um, those two events are not are not mutually exclusive. Um, the Olympics, yeah, the Olympics are bad for a lot of reasons that don't have to do with the fact that Chase doesn't like curling. Um, <laughs> not discount the validity of hold his on, context. can't both be true. Your point, I agree both with, and my true. point can be true. Yeah, both I agree. The, the Olympics my- are. are are very profitable and very bad is the TLDR way of saying it. I think that's just life in general, right? Things that are very profitable are usually bad. Yeah, but this one, particularly so. Uh, In any case, to the point of the NBA season, I I mean, I get why they would want to get done before the Olympics, but I just don't see, is, is the Olympics such a public relations and branding exercise for the NBA is it so valuable that it's worth the Olympics need the NBA more than the NBA needs the Olympics? And, okay. and, and, and I only say that in terms of in terms of star power um, and build, because more than likely, I don't think this will happen. But more than likely, if he does do one more Olympic Games, uh, it could be LeBron's last Olympics. It could be Kevin Durant's last Olympics, so you're going to have uh, some some highlights there for not only Team USA but for the games in general. Uh, I I've always said they need to shrink the NBA season anyway because I think it's entirely too long. Uh, oh, yeah. But a 50 game season, uh, it's. It's 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 a, it's a thing where both sides want to, you know, both sides want to 
want to have it their way but not give up anything. And that is going to be such a is such a big issue. Um, and, and of course, you know, you don't, the whole load management thing is going to come into handy. Um, and, and that's going to come into play. So, you know, you're, you aren't going to have many players, uh, playing as many games or as many minutes. Uh, it's, it's such a conundrum that they're in. And I wish that they had at least maybe put a plan together or put something in place. And I, and I know it's hard to do that while a season is going on, but, it's like they kind there's so much misinformation out there too which is driving me nuts because remember like it was it two weeks ago we we were reading reports that the nba was like december was off because the nba is pushing the new season off until they can get fans in the gate like the season is not tenable until they have fans in the gate and they can't do that until the new year i think they realize i think they realize most of the major cities are not going to have new fans yeah or probably all 2021 yeah and well and i think there there's another factor i think the nba wants to trust the public officials and they want to trust the science on just on the easiest path the issue is you don't have people in place that and this isn't this isn't on the nba this is on the cities and and everything else that are COVID ready, uh, lack of a better term. So it's like the NBA is trusting people ab- above them to help them dictate their moves. Uh, that's why you don't see anything with the NHL right now. Um, MLB is going to be in the situation in a few in a few weeks, really, because um, they've got to start putting things together. Well, Manfred uh, should be he should be solid there. I think Manfred's done a great God. job. He's he's ready for it. He's ready for the the new season. Don't get me started on that man. But oh, yeah, we're going to no, get to MLB in a second. Um, so, yeah. so, so the the issue for the NBA is they're tr- and nothing once again nothing against them. They're the people that they need to rely on the most that can help factor in decisions are not helping them right now. So that's so that makes them kicking the can down the road and kind of you know hopefully come into something. So. Um, I'd hate to be Adam Silver right now because no matter what you do, it's you're you're essentially in a no win situation. No, I think it's a win situation. They're gonna make a lot of money. Like they're gonna oh, figure it out. Like it's it's not gonna be a disastrous situation. It's just I am intrigued. I mean, they they yeah. lost what this, this year in while having to erect their own fortress NBA in, in down at Disney World. They what they were experienced, and granted, they still got a chunk of the games with fans on the stands. But they lost ten percent of their revenue. Yeah, that's amazing. The WWE just had their most profitable year ever during this pandemic. Most profitable year ever. Which is funny because never mind. I, <laughs> I will. When you're essentially doing insider trading and selling off your shares, yeah, it's yeah. I uh. <sighs> Yeah, no, it's I, I think ultimately what's gonna happen is they are going to look at, hey, where can we not give up the most amount of money? But what's interesting to me is what this is going what the ripple effects are gonna be two years from now in terms of player development, because teams like the Lakers, the Jazz, the Nuggets, they got to keep playing. They got to keep uh, just they got to build this continuity with each other that the Hawks have not played competitive basketball in close to a year yeah. now. And 
they have a bunch of young they, players. They were shitty beforehand. So. Exactly. And they have not been oh. able to play real games and will not have, like, they may not be able to play real games until 2021. And the disparity, I think this is going to cause in the timelines for so many different young players and young teams versus the veteran teams is just going to cause this disconnect in the NBA over the next couple of years. And I think a lot of young careers are going to be just stunted because of this weird scheduling and the weird drop off. And it's not their fault. But I do feel bad for teams like the Hawks, and it's not just because I'm a Hawks fan, but it's just that those teams are put in a very unfair situation that they know are is unfair, and I don't know. I think this is going to be a problem with just the amount of time the Lakers, the Celtics, the Heat have gotten to build with each other going into next year versus the teams that are still figuring stuff out that have not had an opportunity to play together all that much in a year and not play competitive basketball in a year and what that does to a team and how much it sets them back because I think a lot of those teams are going to be set back and it's it's gonna be really ugly basketball for a while I think it's yeah it's it, one it's gonna be ugly basketball too my my biggest worry in all of this is how are you gonna structure a schedule are you just going to keep it regionalized in, in terms of are you going to do like MLB style where everybody basically kind of the West just plays the West the entire season? Or are you going to designate pods like I, there's so many questions that I have and there's so little time for them to actually come up with it. it Will the Raptors exist? <laughs> So because like that's yeah. not happening. You're not traveling to Canada next NBA season, so they're playing somewhere uh, away from home, and that kind of disadvantage for them to play zero games in Toronto. I, I, I don't. I, I don't like team. I don't like cities whoring themselves out for a team. Like I love. I love Kansas City. Love the people there, but I, no, it should be I Seattle. I'm going to be so mad if they're not in Seattle. I, no. I want to put them in Seattle no, well, for you. The thing is, Seattle doesn't have a, an arena right now. You have the key um, arena. No, uh, it's it's not completely done yet. Uh, it'll it'll be mm. done this summer or co- this coming summer. Play it, you but done. it's uh, wouldn't hurt. Um, I mean, it could you, you could possibly do it. Um, you could you could play at the Tacoma Dome. Um, I mean, I don't see it though. I I, I no, don't see it happening. I, I, Look, I don't. Seattle could always play in in Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. That's, you guys know about Climate Pledge Arena, right? I no, sure what, are, what are we talking about? That's the new. They're building. Arena. They're building an arena for the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. It's called. Mm. It's sponsored by Amazon and it's called Climate Pledge Arena. Yep. They promise that it will be the first. I think it's been ten. The first carbon neutral arena built, um, which means that the arena itself, once it is constructed, will theoretically produce net zero carbon dioxide. Mm. I don't know if, that, uh, of course, that doesn't take into account the. Um, there are a lot of ways they come to that analysis that involves like the amount of time people would drive to the old arena versus the new one. It's not like it's running on like solar panels and shit on the roof. It's it's a lot of very fancy um, corporate green economics way of describing how something gets to carbon neutral. But there's that stadium; it's being built. 
Yeah, um, and that's going to be this summer. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, they could, but I don't know. I, I would honestly like to see just put them in a place or, or have them share an arena with somebody, maybe put them in Buffalo because um, I think HSBC Arena uh, is, 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 is still there. So I mean, you have some options. I um, I don't know. I just it's this, gonna be a mess. It's it's gonna it's gonna be an absolute mess. I, I'm not looking forward to it. No. Um, speaking of things we're not looking forward to, uh, Tony Larusa is back in oh, Major League shit. Baseball and <laughs> got the uh, got the manager job in Chicago, where he beat out. Checks my notes here. Uh, Bruce Bochy for the Chicago White Sox job. In 2020, because Jerry Reinsdorf watched The Last Dance a couple days ago and was like, I can't can't believe we let that guy get away. That was our biggest mistake, firing that guy F- before I was even born. Um, shout out to Reinsdorf for staying the worst. And uh, yeah, this uh, the team that I was very high on going into 2021, the, the White Sox have a bunch of fun young players. They figured out the Lucas Giolito stuff. Like, they were positioned to really contend in the AL Central next year and now uh the guy who is concerned about if Tim Anderson is playing the game the right way and if he is celebrating for positive reasons into the game and adding something to the game uh is now managing uh Tim Anderson it uh this I I just couldn't believe this happened I couldn't believe that this is where we're at he came back in after 10 years away um Bob your first reaction Tony Larusa, White Sox manager. He's well, not to be ageist, but he's seventy-six, right? <laughs> the yeah. whole thing of this is so bizarre to me. If you're going to hire an um, old guy, hire the cool one, Jim Leland. That's the only one you're allowed to hire. Or hire Don Nelson. I, mm. I know he's not specifically a, a baseball manager, um, but. It's very weird. It really, see, uh, by all accounts, it seems like uh, Jerry Reinsdorf bigfooted his own GM to make this hire because he was really sad about firing Tony Larusa in 1986 when he shouldn't have. So uh, it's just going to be a mess. It's just going to be a colossal mess. Um, it's uh, what was I going to say? Like I. I Speaking of messes again, it like I, I don't think Tony's going to last long. I, I just don't think he's unless he's picked up a a whole series of <laughs> of innovations about how to deal with younger players in the now decade that he's been out of baseball. It, it it's very like the White Sox are a fun and exciting team, and I just don't know why they felt the need to go in this direction. There's certainly a lot of ma- of like interesting candidates to manage a team before you get to Tony LaRusso. Andrew, what do you think? Here's the issue. (laughs) (sighs) Just, and and I said this yesterday, this is uh, hiring a 76 year old man to take over a club that's on the cusp of being a World Series contender 
that belongs in movie starring Robert De Niro. Like the, like like it's old craggy Hall of Fame manager returns to the game and now he's got to deal with all of these young guys on a clubhouse. It's not gonna work. And the issue with if he wasn't as if if he was old and craggy, fine. But it's the fact that he has essentially been the old man complaining about, you know, let the kids play and and, you know, political statements and all of this stuff like it, it is the last person that you want, especially for this team. I don't mind Tony, Tony LaRusso wanted to come back. Fine. You want to come back? Cool. Go to Detroit. Go to I don't know, you know what what other you know openings there are, but this White Sox team, I I, I don't see it. I do not see how this works. And I saw Tony Larusa say something something today talking about Tim Anderson. You know, it's like if you're as long as you are celebrating correctly. Uh, and, and that's that's essentially what he was saying. It was as long as you know you celebrate, you know the right way, and 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 I'll, so I'll read the quote. I got it right here. If I see that it's sincere and directed towards the game, that's displaying the the kind of emotion that you want. What what are you talking about? Sincere and directed towards the game, like. Ugh. Uh, how are you the arbiter? Like, how does this even work? Like, in just I, if you're Tim Anderson, like, what are you thinking today? Like, how, you woke up today. What Honestly, are you thinking? if I'm Tim Anderson, I am bat flipping. I am doing all of that. And here's the thing: if he does all that and Tony Larusa doesn't say anything, fine, cool. If Tony Larusa goes off. And and a friend of mine had a funny joke yesterday. He was like, you know, uh, I I I just don't see how this team works with like if you want to hire Tito, you know, Tito Francona, fine. Um. I, I'd absolutely love that hire, but this it it sucks. It, it it really sucks. I'm fascinated, but it's just a really strange hire. Yeah. I don't know. This just it's just a bummer. And it's just so weird. And it comes down to like just you could build your like Han's a good GM by all accounts. You they've bit they've just developed talent really well. They're finally back in the AL Central race, and then the owner's just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a goof. I'm, I'm gonna step in here. Uh, wouldn't this be funny? Let me bring in Tony Larusa, and then all of this years of goodwill and this years of building and great trades and just really doing things the right way. And then you're just like, what if we just blew all of this up by one decision? And I." I shouldn't be surprised, but it's still, when you see stuff like this, you're like, oh my God, how is this still happening? I, I just, I don't know, man. This is brutal. Um, but the good news is AJ Hinch is back in baseball. 
that's it's also happening. So the the Astros. That's they, not they, good news, but cool. They uh, they learn their lesson, folks. Um, the Patriots below five hundred. Cam Newton had one of his worst games as a pro. Ultimately, questioning whether or not he should still be the starter in New England. Um, is this the end? Is this officially time for us to be like, you know, maybe the Patriots are just not going to figure this out. Maybe this is just going to be bad and we need to prepare ourselves for a Belichickian team to go 4-12 and and to have a realistic shot at, uh, at Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Andrew, what do you think? Honestly, I keep Cam. Um... And, and the the reason I say that you keep Cam is – and essentially keep Cam and just discard this season because uh, clearly he is not – he has not looked well since coming back from COVID. He, he just has not looked himself. Um, and, and, and I think that if you give him a, another season at the helm – you you definitely can get a sense of okay where do we need to go what do we need to do uh, because when Cam has worked in New England it's worked perfectly uh, this is just one of those games or this is one of those seasons where you've just got a punt on it and and just and just look towards and try and build uh, towards next season um, I would stick with Cam. I get why you might want to go with the younger quarterback, but at the same time, you really don't need it. And really, the Patriots roster issues were long before Cam got there. So, yeah. Bob, is this it? Are you excited for the end of the Patriots dynasty? I love it. I love watching them suck. It's awesome. (laughs) I want Belichick to eat a giant plate of shit. I'm happy about this. Belichick can go fuck off. Christ, Bob. Yeah, fuck Bill Belichick. He sucks. <laughs> I mean, he's the best coach in NFL All right. history. Uh, but aside from that, fuck Bill Belichick. Fuck Bill Belichick. Oh, my God. Was not expecting any yeah. of this. A lot hey, of fire. Yeah. Hey, hey, Bob, I'm, not, I'm, I'm yeah. not sure that you got you got the point across. My point, briefly, is fuck Bill Belichick. <laughs> All right, I like it. Uh, I don't know. It's just watching Cam do the whole. It's time to take old rascal out to a farm somewhere thing. Like watching him just be look broken is bad. I mean, it could really be just a question of even if he's not suffering any ill effects from COVID, which he claims that he's not. It's not easy to take. Uh, you know, a two or three was it three weeks or was it two that he missed. I think it was two. Uh, I think two, it, yeah, yeah, two it was weeks. two. Yeah. yeah. Still, you know, that's a three-week-long hiatus between games in the middle of a season. That's not an easy thing to do. He might bounce back after, you know, uh, another couple of rounds around the ring. Um, I'm not ready to write off Cam Newton as being uh, washed at age 31. Or at least I hope not, because peak Cam is incredibly fun. Granted, the Panthers ground him into dust. And their owner, who's I'm going to look it up on the internet, I believe. Ah, yes, it's, it's Calvin Candy Jr., who used to own the, the Carolina Panthers. Um, it, you know, they really just 
they, they used him up and then kind of spat him out. And the, the cumulative toll of the injuries that he's had may be too much to overcome. But he did look pretty good for the first couple of games, so I have hope. Yay, in conclusion, yay Cam Newton, Bill Belichick, go sit on attack. <laughs> um, I, I respect the commitment. I just think it's one of those things that's just interesting because, like, it has not happened in my adult life of just seeing this dynasty finally fall apart. And we're kind of seeing it in the NBA a little bit with the Spurs where you just have to wait for it to actually happen before you're like, oh, yeah, they're just not going to make the playoffs. Like, their playoff streak finally ended this year. And they fought till the end. And I'm like, you know, this is it. And you look at their roster and they might trade DeRozan this summer or this winter. And um, this it. It's it's just it. Like, they just don't have any young stars. Like, Derek White's just not going to be a superstar. Lonnie Walker is just not going to be a superstar. They don't have that guy sitting there. They did. And they traded him. And now it's over. Like, the Spurs dynasty is over. And they're not going to be contending or good for a long time. And it's just it. And you have to wait for it to just happen before you're like, oh, my God, this thing that's just continued in sports forever is not going to continue forever anymore. And I think that's where we're at with the Pats, where it, it just the wide receiver group is terrible. They missed on Nikhil Harry. They have no talent at running back. Their offensive line's just been devastated with injuries. They lost Dante Scarmecchia. They have, they're thinking about trading Stephon Gilmore. They don't really have a pass rush they don't really have a lot of in-house options they can't quick fix this and maybe that's that's just where they're at like they're just a bad football team now and it's going to take a long time and brady saw it coming he was like i'm not doing another year of Nikhil harry and no gronk and no tight end talent and no receiver talent and no running back talent like sonny michelle can't move anymore like there is red flags everywhere but we just looked past them because they had Brady and we looked past where the Spurs were with out uh, with Kawhi Leonard. And now that that person's gone, it's like, Oh, they just, it, it comes down to, you're not going to believe this more about the players than the coaches at sometimes. And as great of a coach as Bill Belichick is, and as great as a coach as Craig Popovich is it, ultimately, if you don't have the guys, you're, you're just not going to survive. And they were fortunate to have Brady forever Tim Duncan forever and Kawhi for a long period of time. And then those guys were gone and that's it. And you need some luck in sports and they both have had a lot of luck, but ultimately if you don't have the guys anymore, you're not going to compete. And I think the Patriots just do not have the guys to compete in the NFL this year. And they're going to miss the playoffs. They're going to be bad. And it's just kind of depressing and, and sad. Unless you're a Jets fan where you're like, oh, hell yeah. You're like the sicko in the window. Just like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm the sicko's meme. I, oh, come on, man. <laughs> Not to sound like Joe Biden, but come on, man. Uh, <laughs> the Patriots have been, have been varying degrees of extremely good to one of the best teams in the history of football for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Give us, give us, we fans of crappy AFC East teams, just a moment to experience some schadenfreude. Well, that seems fair. I mean, here's, here, here's the thing that, that cracks me up about this and, and, and why people are so shocked that the Patriots are what they are. And, and, and I look at it like this. If you're – and this is my – you know, this has always been my theory on 
a small ball and, and in terms of just mid mark mid to large market teams wanting to play the the whole small ball and in, in the in the you know essentially fiscally conservative I don't want to say cheap I'll say fiscally conservative uh, when when you pride yourself on continuity with you know with with barely above average talent and and that's like your calling card where oh you know you have Brady you have Gronk but then you have all these key role players you have Danny Amendola Wes Welker like these guys are number twos on any other team in the league, but they're treated like number ones because you have arguably the greatest quarterback of all time back there. Now, when the greatest quarterback of all time literally has guys who are number twos and number threes on any other team, huh? Yeah, you're going to see a few more drop passes and the running game doesn't open up because you don't have a Corey Dillon type. Like, of course this was going to happen to New England and so that's that's one one major part that I'm saying just punt on this season anyway um and and, and just figure out a path going forward because the thing is they have the ability and they have the capital and they have the cachet to be a Super Bowl contender next season like literally if they just decided you know what we have Cam Newton. We have a few solid defensive players. We can make a run. Like it's not that hard. But when you have this whole mentality of, well, we can do the most with less. After a while, it's it's not going to work anymore. And I think we're seeing that point right now. Yeah, I mean, look, it did work for twenty years. Right. 20 years of trading guys before perhaps they were done and extracting maximum value from like the likes of, I don't know, going back to like Ty Law or even, you know, Bledsoe himself. Um, I don't think this means necessarily, I mean, I just think the bill is due, not, no pun intended. Like, you can only, I mean, the, the funny thing for me is for my entire football watching life, Bill Belichick has been hailed as a, a brilliant draft manipulator, always trading down, always hoarding picks, you know, moving stuff around. And when he takes a punter in the fourth round, the immediate assumption is, oh, the great master has done it again. He hasn't really had, you know, he's landed on some guys, but there have been a lot of instances where I think if you look back at Bill Belichick, general managering, it hasn't been as pristine as you'd think, at least not at the last couple of years. Yeah, it's not – I mean – well, you know what the funny thing about Bill Belichick and everybody having this obsession? I used to hate that. I used to hate that whole thing. Oh, yeah, Bill – no. It's one team in the National Football League that is literally a better poker player than – 31 other teams like it when you can see the the moves coming miles away that's the part that kills me where it's like yeah you you see wide receiver x you know on the trade market 
is New England interest, interested? Sure. Are they going to pick him up? Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, well, how did they do that, uh, guys? It's, it's called being smarter than everybody else. And, and, and the thing that kills me about the whole thing with, you know, the whole Patriots influence, maybe this is because, you know, I was a Browns fan for so many years, but everything where it's this whole connection with the uh, with you know, the Belichick coaching tree or the, you know, the Scott Pioli GM tree, Thomas Dimitrov, you take them out of New England and what do you get? Scott Pioli failed in Kansas City. Thomas Dimitrov failed in Atlanta. I don't think he failed in Atlanta. Like, I don't think that's fair. I think he built a Super Bowl team that should have won a Super Bowl and he built one of the best rosters in football. I don't think he failed. I don't think that's fair. He was good for a long I mean, time. Uh, okay. He what, what's, what's, what's one good he thing Matt he Ryan. did? What's 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 one good thing he he's done after that? I mean, this roster like bingo. It, hold on, hold on. He is. I mean, yes, he missed on Big Beasley. Yes, he missed, but he hit on Jay, uh, Jake Matthews. He hit on Calvin Ridley. He hit on Muhammad Sanu. He hit on um, Keanu Neal if he could stay healthy. Like he's. He's had a lot of hits. He hasn't hit right didn't, on the pass rusher. Did Muhammad Sanu end up in uh, end up in New England? Uh, he did. Yeah, but now he's out of the league. Yeah. Um. Uh, I love Mister Yak. No Muhammad Sanu slander on this podcast. Yeah, this is a pro Rutgers safe space here. <laughs> so. They're one and zero, Bob Silverman. I know you're a big Rutgers guy, and I know you watched that Michigan State yeah. game last Saturday. Oh, absolutely. Go Scarlet Knights. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That's my no, I mean, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I, all I'm saying is that if if you're New England and like everybody, everybody was so obsessed with, with New England and they're going to be obsessed if they end up, you know, finding their way out of this. Uh, I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> I look at I, I look at the New England franchise and I'm like, oh, so they're they're finally dealing with the same issues that 31 other teams have had to deal with in the last 20 years, at least at one point. How do you get out of it? Do you just basically just kind of look yourself in the mirror, build yourself back up like Baltimore has done? Uh, do you sit back and allow yourself to become a Jacksonville Jaguars type where it's like everything on the surface looks good, but that surface is like maybe two inches thick. And then it's just a mess. Once you dig into it. Um, I I don't know. I I think new England will be fine. I think we just got to, for a lot of teams this season, we just got to say, you know what? This is a throwaway year. It's, it's okay to suck, but at least don't embarrass yourselves when you go out there. Hi, Minnesota Vikings. Please get rid of Mike Zimmer, just for the love of God. Oh, no. Mike Zimmer's great. Um, Mike Zimmer's great for 1995 NFL, not I for don't think 2020. So. He's, still, he's still Mr. I, I like Mike Zimmer. I'm a very pro Mike Zimmer guy. I hate Mike Zimmer. Oh, my God. Fired up. All right, to wrap up here, guys. Uh, Bob, what was the best thing uh, you read and or watched this week? Um, 
The best thing I read, you know, you said we were going to talk about this, and I said to myself, I should think about an answer to that question. It's going to be and a question then, I ask every week, Bob. You got to, you got to get. I know, yeah. I know. Um, my favorite thing was, and this is a little bit uh, a niche sport. My, my favorite thing was Glenn Greenwald showing his entire ass <laughs> for the for. Now, for all, for all you people who are not hep to the world of lefty journalism, like Glenn Greenwald. Uh, quit in a huff, and not an Aubrey huff, which is also bad, um, <laughs> from the site he founded, The Intercept, because he said he was being um, silenced and um, uh, and that his, his he was, uh, yeah, in any case, he claimed that he was being, um, his, his, his voice was being kept from the world and his opinions were being shut down. Basically, you know, he, he threw a hissy fit and he earned a lot of money doing this. Ben Greenwald's salary, if you go back into the, because The Intercept is a publication he founded, is a nonprofit, so you can go see his salary. It's, it, it, he, earns, for, for, he earns mid six figures. So, you know, that was a lot to walk away from. Granted, he's going to start a sub stack and earn that much without too much of breaking too much of a sweat. But he decided to publish the emails he had back and forth with his editor about the piece that eventually didn't run. And it's just editing. He was being edited and it made him fill his entire diaper. And that to <laughs> me was, that was fun for me. Yeah, that was fun for me. I enjoyed that. Watching Glenn fill his entire diaper in public and think it made him look good. That's the, that's the part I can't really wrap my head around is that, he thought publishing these emails would vindicate him somehow, and it did the opposite. It was really kind of amazing. And this is, it, it's also a little bit sad because, you know, Glenn has done a lot of very good reporting. He's just, uh, he just, I think, appears to, uh, prefers going on Tucker Carlson now. So there you go. Andrew, what was the best thing you read or watched this week? Honestly? Uh, the best thing I watched this week was absolutely nothing. Like I've, I'm, I'm trying to prepare for Tuesday and beyond. So I'm like just kind of zeroing out on everything. Uh, I haven't watched too much TV. Uh, I, I've just been chilling, honestly, and. I know that's going to end because, like, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna watch college football this weekend, of course. But at the same time, you like, gonna watch, I'm just you're gonna watch The Mandalorian today or tonight. Oh hell yeah. yes! I've already watched it, Bob. The uh, whole night. season two? No, it, it, it's it, they do it week it, by week. Oh okay, I was like, like wait. a real live TV show. None of this binge watching crap. You gotta <laughs> wait to see what happens next. Which is which? Which is honestly, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't at least put the first two episodes on. They're uh, doing like they were able to build them. I think it's smart. They built so much momentum. Oh, for sure. For sure. People had to wait instead of just dumping it all at once, and they extended that kind of popularity and all the Baby Yoda memes over a longer stretch of time. My girlfriend, who is Canadian, and I are going to be watching it probably this weekend. That's part of our cool kids social agenda. We Do y'all have an agenda? Do y'all map it out? Do y'all plan it out? We we have a Google Calendar and everything. Do you it's really? 
No. Oh. <laughs> oh my God! I I actually thought Bob that made it funny. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I I'm essentially just kind of taking it easy this weekend. Um, I, I I might dig into a book. I'm not sure. Um, I'm just might fuck around and read some words. Uh, I might. Um, honestly, it's like. We, we may need to do like a, a comparison between this episode and next Friday because your boy just might be completely mentally just exhausted um, more than he already is. I mean, I don't uh, know what I'm going to do with the pod next week. I've already like I've talked with John from the pod and everybody like depending on how Tuesday goes. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where our headspace. Like, I think I'll be OK. But yeah, like headspace wise, I'm just going to be like. Yeah, like I I know I need to just like mentally prepare. So like I haven't been doing anything this week. I don't know. Yeah, I I'm concerned. Um, we'll wrap up here. Our picks. How does it end up next week? What do y'all think? I don't I don't do that. I am no. not a tout. No, I'm, I'm I yeah after 2016. I nope. Um, I, I I will say I will say this. I was sitting there watching like a lot of people. I was watching the New York Times Needle in 2016, mm. which is the scariest horror movie of that year. Watching the odds just drip away, and at around 8:30, when it was still I think about a 55 percent chance of a Clinton win, I was talking with a friend, and this person was very hopeful. I was like, "No, it's not over yet," and I was like, "You know." I've watched, you are not a sports fan, and I've watched a lot of sports, and I, I feel like I know when the game is over. And this is one of those, I don't even need to be an Atlanta Falcons to know that they were good okay, fans. Okay, that was not necessary. That was not necessary, Bob. Yeah, that it was, was very funny. Um, well, you know what's funny? Because uh, I kind of had the same thing. Uh, when he won Ohio, and it was around nine-ish, I want to say, um, when, when, when that was happening, I leaned over to one of my friends and I said, bro, that's ball game. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, it's ball game. And he was like, no, I'm like, and I was pointing it out to him. I said, it was, it was kind of like watching a game. It was, you know, if you can't get a third down, if you can't stop them on third down, you, you won't win the game. Like they're just going to, I was like, I could see where this is going. I know when a t- you can, if you watch enough games, especially those involving bad teams, you know when it's over. And if anything, yes. the Democrat Party is a bad football team. And they just, are. I was just like, I was just like, man, they fucking blew it. It's over. It was eight thirty. I remember it very distinctly. It was eight thirty, and I said. And I was watching the New York Times needle dip from whatever it was at the start, like 95 and to 55. And I was like, nope. Yep. And uh, I'll say this. I'm fascinated with, and this isn't a political tweet, so sorry, or this isn't political take, so sorry if anybody's listening. I'm putting politics in your sports. Um, But I'm fascinated with early voting if that is going to have any impact on – the night because I know that some states already start counting and, and will be producing results quickly. And so my, my thing is if there's enough, is it going to be a long night? Is it going to be, if it's a, 
if it's a short night, if it, if this is decided by 1 a.m. Wednesday, early Wednesday morning Eastern time, I would be stunned. Um, it, it's unlikely just because, I mean, it depends on where, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not going to take their drive out of the Beltway garage to like suss out the odds of this. No, no. I'm just going to be like everyone else, just sitting, staring at screens, cringing, and then I'm, waiting. For I'm, I'm going to do like a Zoom. Um, I'm going to do like a, a Zoom call, uh, essentially just with friends and, and 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 just basically since we all can't go out to you know to a bar or a club or something. Uh, absolutely, we are just gonna just chill and act like we're at like you know somebody's apartment one night. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You don't want to, this is not a, an experience you want to undertake alone. I was very sure. I stopped by my parents' place and my mom was freaking out because of the tightening of the poles that had taken place the week before. So she was in full panic mode. And I was not, oddly, which kind of runs against my entire life history, but I was feeling very confident that this would finally be over. And I was wrong. Um, but. I remember telling her she was, you know, she was tracking it along and following, and I was like, "No, it's going to be fine. It'll be over." And I headed back to my place, and by the time I think like the subway got delayed, I left my parents' place at like six thirty, and by the time I got home, I was just like, I was in full, I was right there in full panic mode with her. I was just terrified and frantically texting as many people. I was having it was one of those nights where my phone was kept pinging, and so did the computer, and I was. It was it was like me being in the control room in Apollo 13. Everything was going haywire. It was very bad. I'd like not so, to. Hey, uh, Bob, fun, f- real real quick funny story. So I was working for the AP at the time, and so on our computers we had a you know you, you you're filed into the AP. You're in filed into the server. So you're getting updates, and I was getting them from my phone. So I'm just looking at the results at this uh, watch party. And I'm looking at it, and a friend of mine looked at me. She said, Andrew, you were, like, kind of in a pretty chill mood for a while. Then you just, like, just start burrowing in a corner. And I was literally, like, just chilling at this table all by myself looking at the results from the AP before they actually went public. And I'm just like, oh, crap. And I'm happy I don't don't have that this year. At the same time, I'm also, like – I can't be alone regardless of what happens. Like, I don't care what the result is. I cannot be alone when and if we get a result. That'll do it for this week of the sports reporters assembling. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we could talk about this all day. Fingers crossed is all we can say. Um, that, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, we can check you guys out at the Daily Beast. Is, uh, the piece that you've been alluding to, Bob. Right. It should be coming. It was. It should be, I think, either this weekend or Monday. As I sit here, I am waiting for uh, the latest round of edits to come back. Um, I'll give you guys a Step little hint. It's, about, uh, it's the sport of, of mixed martial arts is, is what I'm going to be covering. I have a story about mixed martial arts that will be in Politico, hopefully tomorrow, maybe Monday, hopefully not Tuesday, because I have a feeling people will be reading other things. But um, 
I'm 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 very fascinated and I may reach out reach out to you sometime this weekend regarding that story because I I don't know what it's about, but I have a feeling I think I know what it's about. So um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in the News Tribune, um, essentially, we are all doing uh, election prep. So since I'm not on sports anymore, I'm kind of just there. So, yeah, I'm I'm super excited of uh, basically just kind of preparing for Tuesday and then uh, please do a wellness check. Uh, on Wednesday morning, <laughs> um, a partially partially joking, by the way. Um, so yeah, um, it's a chill weekend. It's it's the last chill weekend for me. Uh, John Mulaney's on SNL, so I'll be looking forward to that. Everyone loves John Mulaney. He's a beloved stand-up comic. I like yes, it. he is. I like it. All right, guys. Will you guys stay safe this weekend? Have a great Halloween spooky spooky weekend. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Awesome. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.